0: New Piney Grove. New Piney Grove. New, Piney Grove. New Piney Grove. Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where Grove. one of our core values is Christian education. New Let's Piney tune in Grove. to this week's message. I want to reiterate that you're not here by accident. This message is not by accident. It's something that you need to hear today. When we look at this subject, as we continue our series about the family, a church family, gender responsibility, we must realize that the family is under attack. In all areas, the family is under attack. and God wants us to get back to where we need to get back to. You read responsibly, led by Martha Thorpe, from the book of Titus. And when we think of the book of Titus, the phrase that she had mentioned earlier, the Titus Shoe woman, comes to mind. But this letter deals with more than just the responsibilities of the women to the young women. The book of Titus is one of three letters in the Bible known as pastoral epistles. Paul writes this to his two sons in the ministry. Two of these letters to Timothy, who pastored the church at Ephesus. And this one is to the church in Crete, pastored by Titus. And although the book of Titus is much shorter than the two letters to Timothy, the book of Titus may be more impactful. You see, both of these pastors dealt with false teachers. But the location and the mentality of the people at Crete were extremely different. The origin of the Church of Crete is really unknown. We believe that on one of Paul's missionary journeys, he and his team traveled to the region known as Crete. And when they got there, they discovered something that was very discouraging for them. The moral condition in the church was far from being what it should have been. The people's attitude about their faith was lax and indifferent. The members displayed a low moral standard because... The gospel of grace had been misinterpreted to mean that salvation had nothing to do with your daily lifestyle, how you conduct yourself. So when Paul left Crete, he left Titus there, and he gave him specific instructions how to address this problem of laxity and indifference and low morale. I invite you now book of Titus, chapter 1. And after Paul's normal greeting, in verse 5, he says this, according to the English Standard Version. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order, Appointing elders in every town, I directed you. The Apostle Paul first addressed Titus' responsibility. And this has implications, and I want you deacons especially, to kind of follow with me as we go through this. Because this is all part of conditioning soil and preparing the church for what would take place later down the road. Apostle Paul told Titus, get some help. Get some help. Go get you some elders. Appoint some elders. And then he identifies 17 qualifications to look for in those that was going to be appointed to help. And as I, I dealt with this before, a lot of time when the church is looking for elders or looking for leaders, they don't have a slightest clue what to look for. They look at how he looked on the outside he's good-looking, his complexion of his skin, the texture of his hair, whether he can sing, how well he can do. You won't find neither of those things in these 17 qualifications. Now, for brevity, I'm going to go down them quite quickly because this is not the essence of the message today. First of all, I told them they need to be blameless. That is guiltless. Nobody can put give something say something about you that's really true, that's negative. Second, he said the husband and one wife, that's mahogany. mahogany, Mahogonous relationship, marriage to one woman. Then he said the household under control, talking about children. Children being saved. If you ain't got your household saved, how you gonna try to save somebody else? But those children also had to be obedient fourth thing he told them, don't be overbearing. In other words, don't get hung up on tile, towel, revving this and revving that, doctor this and doctor that. Don't be arrogant or self-willed. The fifth thing he told them, don't be quick-tempered, flying off the handle at every word. Then he told them not to give, be given to much wine. Don't let that control. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. He told them not to be violent. And number eight is really where I want to hit on this is don't be motivated by money. You're looking for somebody to lead the church. Don't let them be motivated by money. Yeah, everybody got to lead. But see, it's this is your motivation, as soon as somebody offers you a little bit more money, you go. Number nine says it must be hospitable. You got to be a people person. I know once I tried to argue with the Lord. Lord, if I didn't have to deal with people, pastoring would be easy. And the Lord responded back, if you didn't have people, you wouldn't be a pastor. Ten things said, love what is good. Eleven, self-control. Twelve, upright. Thirteen, holy. Fourteen, discipline. And fifteen to seventeen, I'm going to take a little time on that. He told them to hold firmly to the word of God. Let it be your guide. Sixteen them, Encourage others by teaching the word of God. And then the last thing he said, rebuke those who oppose the word of God. And not to mention those who oppose the word of God. Paul advised Timothy how to handle these opposers and why. I invite your attention now to chapter 1, verse 11 of Titus. Something you read in response to reading, but let me put a little bit more emphasis on it. They must be silenced. That's how to handle them. Why? Since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain, What they ought not to be taught. taught. The false teacher must be silent because what they were saying was damaging the whole family in the congregation. They were teaching error. And they were telling people what they wanted to hear because what they wanted to hear was going to be more financial benefit for their own personal ministries. Paul had this to say about those false teachers, verse 16. They claim, emphasis on claim, to know God, but their action, emphasis on action, they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for pastorship. I mean, unfit. For doing anything good. Now what follows in chapter 2 suggests that the, the teacher was teaching. Distortion of family roles. And family values. Notice as begin chapter 2. What he said. But as for you. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Chapter 2 starts with a statement of contrast. See, but as for you, uh, implies doing the opposite action. It appeared that these teachers were teaching opposite of what Paul had instructed Titus to teach about the family and their roles. So Paul now targets four groups of members within the family, within the church. Older men, older women, young men and servants. It's worth noting that when I go through this, the information concerning the women gets most of the attention. I'm going I'm to briefly say some things about the servant and the children, but most of it is going to be directed toward the women, and I think that's appropriate since it's Women's Sunday. First thing Paul does instruct. Tell what to teach the old men. And I said, older men, talking about mature men, the elders of the church. Verse 2 says, older men ought to be sober-minded. That's being serious, being level-headed. Dignified. You know, that's earning respect, not demanding respect. Self-control means to be emotional, stable. And the last one, sound. That's free from defect. In what? In faith, in love, and in attitude. Next, Paul addressed the responsibility and the role of the mature women in the church. Y'all with me ladies? Verse 3 says, older women. Now, it's not talking about people that are so old they can't do nothing. In fact, in fact, this may apply to anybody over 45. Older and likewise must be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, or slated too much wine. They are to teach what is good. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. Titus was not told to personally teach the women. The teaching of the women was the responsibility of the women. I experienced something this morning doing the prayer team's devotion. Something that was powerful. How the younger women had a need, and the older women was supporting her. And that way I I, I knew that what God had placed in me was what he wanted y'all to know today. You see, I couldn't do what they were doing. And, and, you know, some people say, okay, Pastor, if... uh, Women are supposed to minister to women. Why are you preaching on Thursday Sunday? Well, I'm preaching to the entire congregation. But even when Kay and Benita preach, there's some things that they don't need to say in front of me. I don't think y'all miss that. There's some things that they need to say to the other women that I don't need to hear. So if you don't come to women in risk with a gender study when your gender is only by itself, there's some things gonna be missing. And you you talking about you talk about the health ministry, my my nursing practitioner. Now, I don't know nothing about no menstrual period. Oh, y'all show sure getting quiet in here. I don't know nothing about menopause. Don't want to know nothing about it? I don't know nothing about mood swings. All I know is y'all are different and strange. And take somebody that's different and strange to understand y'all and to minister to y'all. Because if I said some things up here, I would embarrass my wife and myself. (laughs) The responsibility for teaching women was left up to mature women in the church. That ain't changed. I would love for each one of these young women to have at least one old woman in their lives who can mentor them. Let we'll me go down these four things that Titus instructed the older women to teach the young women: be reverent in behavior, be respect, be respectful. Put it like I was raised, but act like a lady and not a slut. Absolutely. See, this is one of the things I, I cross over the line. Learn how to cross your legs and when to cross them. Uh, like I say, these are things I don't need to be teaching. What type of pantyhose to wear? I'm crossing over the line, y'all. I'm gonna make a point. And when to wear them. What color you wear your underwear when you're wearing a white dress? I don't need to be saying these things. And when you ladies see those things, y'all just walk by and talk about it. It needs to be addressed. And need to start in the home. I'm through. I'm moving on. (laughs) Number two, not to slander. Now, we read gossip. That means to harm and to hurt in speech on purpose, bringing somebody down on purpose. I could stay there a little longer, but I won't. Not to be a slave to much wine. I have it this way. Don't be a addict. Don't be intoxicated. Because intoxication causes you to lose control. This script is talking about wine. I want to talk about intoxication. I want to talk about being addicted. Because there's a lot of things that women get addicted to that they need deliverance from. Number one is men. Number two is fashion. When I was young and before Ann was saved, I was concerned that if anything happened to me in the house, I'd die because she had to put on her makeup before she called the nine one one. I've been told that somebody wouldn't come to church because they didn't have the right stockings. You see, when you are intoxicated, ladies, you lose control. You make bad decisions with the wrong person at the wrong time. Some of y'all are like me. You're addicted to shopping. Amazon I know you by first name. Think your last name is Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand it's so easy. All I got to do is look and click. That's all, and that's said my door in two days. <laughs> the last thing he said, they ought to teach what is good. Be good teachers. You can't be a good teacher unless you are a good student. Going back to having when the women began to teach the women. I've been dealing with the teen boys for the last two months, and I'm going to tell you something. I've been learning more from them than they perhaps been learning more from me. It ain't always got to be the lead teacher in these sessions that's going to bless you. It can be somebody that came with you. But if you ain't there when they're having these women on one session, you are missing out. Because I know how it is with us men in gender study. I mean, I have been blessed. Angelo Cuba don't realize it, but he blessed my heart with one of them sessions back there. Somebody that used to never say it nothing. But he said something that blessed me and everybody there. And that was some things that other men need to hear, but there wasn't. And I know it's the same thing with women. Paul breaks down who the mature women should teach and what they should teach them. This starts in verse 4. So train the young women to love their husband. What? I fell in love with him at the club. You don't have to teach me that. Well, I forgot. Now, the club ain't no one place to meet them. I met him online. (laughs) One of them dating sites. Dating sites teach you how to love him. Y'all hold that thought. This really should read... Young women, love your husband and love your children. It's got them together here and the the reason is it's looking at the family aspect but I want to break them up. Verse 5 says, To be self-controlled, pure, working, at home, kind, submissive to your own husband that the word of God may be reviled. Teaching involves on the job training. This teaching that Paul is telling Titus to tell the women is showing rather than telling. There are seven things see listen here. That the older women was to teach the young women. So we'll break it down. Love their husband. That is being totally committed. To his well-being. It didn't say make love to your husband. Most of the time we ain't doing that, we're making lust, but anyway. Totally committed to his well-being. A sincere desire to help him achieve God's purpose for his life. When God created the woman, let me just say this. Men, we were created from dirt. And that's all we're going to be dirt. Ladies, y'all were created from flesh. Even though it's the flesh of the man. But God said, I'm going to make Ahab a helper fit for him. So, how to love your husband is to fit his need. Not his wants, not his desire, even though they may be the same name, but you fit his needs. Some of us men really don't have finest sense. We don't need to marry a woman that don't have finance sense either. So, so if, if it seems like you're, you're, you're hitting heads, you're opposite, that is why, so that they can fit your need, We just got to be small enough to realize that we don't know everything. And God placed her in our life to fit our needs. As I was talking about eating right today, I appreciate that. Because when my wife tells me to eat some Brussels sprouts, I don't like Brussels sprouts, but she's fitting my need. Last time I went to the doctor, I wouldn't have gone if I hadn't been pressured. But she fit my need because when it turned out to be nothing, now we both can relax and be husband and wife. You fit his needs three ways. His physical needs. I don't need to say any more about that. But his emotional needs. Y'all know, as men, we're hung up on ego. Stroke our ego, make us feel like we ain't what we really are. <laughs> and my babe, when my baby tells me I'm a hog, I lie to me, baby, lie to me. Not only his physical needs, and I think sometimes think that you women think that wants their physical needs done, that's it. No. We, 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 we just need that building up. We need to feel like we're somebody, even though we ain't, but we need to feel it. I, you know what? I, I, I'm giving you an example of what I'm talking about. I, I'm not concerned about how people receive my message anymore. Like I used to be. And sometimes when I finish, you know, I hear a lot of people say, great word, Pastor. You bless my heart, all right. And that, oh, that's fine. But when I get in the car and she says something like, ooh, baby, that was good. Ooh, man, now I'm all right now. <laughs> and the third thing, you've got to fit his spiritual need. You've got to encourage him to pray. You've got to encourage him to be leader of the household. You got to remind him in the Word of God his role. He is high priest of the home. Let him know that. It's amazing to me. God don't always answer our prayers, God don't always do what we want him to do. We can't always feel God. But let your husband do that, you're ready to go to the divorce coast. Let him not give you what you want. God don't give you what you want. Thank you, Linda. So first of all, love your husband. Second thing, is love your children. It's simply put, do what is best for your children. It is giving your child what they need, not what they want. And children need these things. Number one, they need nurturing. And that's something a man can to. do. God didn't make us capable of being nurturers. You don't know what that is. You just kind of take them and you guide them. And you talk to them. That's why you'll see on children, high mom, you don't see too many high dads in there when them athletes get on there. Because it's something, it's a natural bonding between a mother and her son more than a mother and her daughter. The second thing they need is protection. Know what's around them. Know what's harmful to them. And protect them from them even if they don't want to be protected. Third thing is encouragement. Encouragement. You can do more damage by talking a child down than you can by talking them up. My wife is so good at that. She'll be telling me, you're smart. You're going to be somebody. You're this and you're that. And I'll be trying to tell them the truth. (laughs) The fourth thing that the kids need is boundaries. Boundaries. There's got to be boundaries. A seven-year-old don't know what they should eat. We need to we need to we need to put boundaries around who they are with. And some of the decisions we make, we're giving kids these technology devices, and we don't even know how to operate them. And we sit up there and say, Well, they say if it ain't nothing number to your game." let me tell you something, these kids are so smart. They be on download some app you. <laughs> Fourth thing is. Well, fifth thing is discipline. The Bible is clear. If you don't discipline your child, you don't love no Now, I, I'm not going to sit up here and say, every child needs a spanking. I did. And there are some that do. And the last thing is they need correcting. When they're wrong, you need to address it and get them in the right direction. Number three is what it means to be self-controlled. This is what the third thing that older women should teach the young women. It's the ability to make yourself do what's best, even when you don't feel like it, honey. It's making wise choices. We have a acronym in our house from things go. we call it NCS, No Common Sense. Being self controlled. Use common sense. Don't be looking at television fashion, seeing somebody wearing a two, and you need a 16 and think you can get yourself in that (laughs) two. Use common sense. If you're a 16, wear a 16, just style with it. Put a little, put a little mm with it. Because there's some man out there that loves that 16. Move on, Dave. <laughs> Number four, teach them what it means to be pure. It's very simple. Celibus if you're single, faithful if you're married you don't know what celibate mean, means, means virgin. Be a virgin. Whether it's after the fact or not, you can start being a virgin from this moment forward, regardless of what you've done. But if you're married to a man, that's your man. Be faithful to him. Number five, the responsibility, this is what you teach him, of working at home. This means that the woman is devoted to running the household. She puts all her energy in making the home work. She's a home manager, a chief officer of operation at the home, COO. Now, what does this mean? That they should work full-time at home? No. It means that's your priority. If you look at Proverbs 31 and you see that woman this woman had a job. But she also took care of the home. Number six. How to be kind. Teach them that. Teach them not to be so hung up on themselves but to help other people who need their help. And one of the things that I, I raised up in the church and I pray God he don't let me be like that. Seems like some of the meanest People were old women in the church. Boy, take that gum out your mouth. Go sit on over here. It wasn't kind at all. And again, here it is again, number seven, how to be submissive to their own husband. And this weak word here has to do with a military term It means to submit to someone else's rank. You're equal, and see those of military background, they they understand what what I'm talking about. When you're talking about chevron, stripes, or pen, you can have the same insignia, but somebody's got to be in charge. I thought this wrong when when, when I was thinking about uh, a a, a couple I think that I know uh, they both was full, we call them full bird colonels. They, that's one of the eagles. And she was in charge. She was the, the base commander. And and her, her husband was a, a division commander. So her husband worked for her. So when they came into a meeting uh, and, and people were doing things, her husband would, would, would ask questions. He would say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But when they got home, He was in a different position. She came home, she said, Yes, dear, yes, dear. So that's the idea behind it is to fall under rank. You're not inferior in no way. You're not less intelligent, not less spiritual, you're not less valuable, but because of what God says in Ephesians by why submit yourself to your husband as unto the Lord, you voluntarily come up under their authority. Somebody once said that a house that has two heads is a monster. In verses 6 through 8, Paul addresses the young man. He advised Titus rather to use himself as an example of self-control. Titus was to be an example of serious-minded integrity. In verses 9 and 10, Paul addresses the Role of a servant. He simply said this submit to your master. Paul stressed the purpose and the importance of all genders' responsibility within the body of Christ. To violate or neglect any of them is to dishonor God who created them in their image. The motive of all of this gender responsibility was to was to glorify and honor God. And I want y'all to really stay with me as we get ready to close because Paul sums up his instruction to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. Notice the emphasis as I read it. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly patterns, and to live self-control, upright, godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearance of our of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself, purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous of good work. Zealous of good work. You see, Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go make disciples. And after he said, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded of you. After salvation comes a period of transformation through training to do the following four things. Number one, renounce the old lifestyle. Number two, to live a godly life and you can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. You ain't going to do it. You can't do it. It's impossible. And number three, waiting in anticipation for Christ's return. It may be closer than you think. And finally, good words. Action. That pleases the Lord. We should be zealous for that. What I want to do, everything I want to do, I want the Lord to be pleased. So the next time that you're confronted with something in your life, just ask yourself, "Would the Lord be pleased if I did this? In this summarization, there's one word that I want to bring out to you. with. It's in verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us. See we belong to God. In the garden man was. God's pride and joy. And the devil deceived them. And right then. All the humanity was kidnapped. And a ransom had to be paid. To buy us back. That's the word redemption. And Christ. Has redeemed. All of us who are saved, and this day He wants to redeem anyone here today who's not saved. You got to know where your final destination will be. Let us stand. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.